Welcome to this edition of Draft Utopia. Chris Ransom and Brian Lewis here. If you love college football, you're going to love today's show because I skipped the Monday show by accident. And since what Joey was on the call on Wednesday, I basically made that strictly an NFL show. So I did two What the FBS teams yesterday. I might do six with Brian today, depending on how much time we have, because I'm looking at Syracuse and Arkansas. Those were the teams I was supposed to cover this week. But I might talk about all the New York sports teams in the FBS with the whole um, coronavirus, not having fans in the stadium, Buffalo and Army are teams I want to get to, Pitt's another football team I want to get to, because I realized they weren't even in my uh, teams we're previewing, and Edward Kizza's number one player on Travis Clark's big board, but we'll stick to Pitt football, and then uh, a team Brian wants at the end if we got time, because there's a lot of teams here. Um, I really don't have much to say about the Army Black Knights, Although I appreciate all their brave warriors who serve our country and all the brave heroes that make sacrifices for our lives. I don't see any NFL prospects, but I appreciate everything that the Army and the Navy and the Air Force Marines and the veterans give to our great country. And I know I'm kind of a peasant compared to people that served in the military. I am. I'm just a sports nerd and junkie, but it's not good for me to beat myself up over it. So yeah, Chris. Uh, yeah, welcome. Walk, uh, thanks for having me back on the show. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Pitt, Syracuse, Arkansas. Those are definitely three teams that I think need a little bit more dissection, a lot of changes um, at two of those three schools that uh, aforementioned. But um, that, those will be the headline teams. So those will yeah. be the headline teams, and then there's a team you can pick before those teams, and then uh, we'll break down Army and Buffalo. Well, let's talk about uh, a couple cancellations. I'm getting Army out of the way because I think they have the least prospects. But I, I am grateful for everybody that goes to Army. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't want to – I wanted to save Army for last. But I think with the Patriot League being canceled, um, this could have a ripple effect, right? And Army is one of those independent teams. I mean, in basketball, they're in the Patriot League, them and Navy. So this does impact college sports from a, a greater landscape, right? I mean, Ivy League. Most of their non-conference opponents are in the Patriot League. So um, that also hurts NFL prospects because now those Ivy Leaguers don't have a season. The Patriot Leaguers don't have a season. What about those? Those are FCS guys that, I mean, there have been quite a few NFL players. I know you and I know of a couple right off the dome. Well, Um, the good news for Ivy League players is I do have the uh, Dartmouth-Princeton game at Yankee Stadium archived up on BitChute the entire game, and I have the same um, Harvard-Yale game also archived. So if NFL scouts are looking for players from those four Ivy League schools, you can go to BitChute and watch those games. That's probably your only way because I don't think ESPN Classic or uh, any of the big subsidiaries of ESPN have reruns of those games. So you're going to have to go to BitChute, our BitChute channel, to watch those two Ivy League games. If that's if you're looking for a late-round Ivy League prospect for the Shrine game or the Senior Bowl, that's going to be your only way of getting those players. And if you go to Columbia, Brown, Cornell, or um, the other Ivy League school, not named Dartmouth, Harvard, Princeton, or Yale. Brown. Oh, no, you said Brown. You're screwed. Yeah. Chris Berman's on the mater. Yep. Um, right in Providence. But, I mean, it's just like, you know, that it's going to impact itself. I mean, for Army, like, they had a good team the last couple of years. They've been pretty consistent because they were able to get upperclassmen. They were able to develop their freshmen and sophomores by getting them a lot of playing time early on. And it showed because they were able to get results. 
eight win seasons, seven win seasons. But, you know, I don't, as I said, like, Army's going to run that triple option. And with the triple option, I mean, you could have everything going your way, and all it takes is one mistake to ruin the entire game. It's one of those offenses. It's a perfect imperfection. Yep. And the next team, I'm just going to jump straight into the next team here, unless you got something else to say about Army. But I think Army's just a pretty open and shut case. They do. Mm-hmm. Army's a great fullback school. They had a fullback, I think, in the top five of their rankings last year or two years ago, and they have another fullback that's a senior this year that could be a, a guy to watch. So Army is a great fullback school. So I'll leave Army on that note. Say something positive about Army's football. Well, let's start with Arkansas, right? Because Arkansas is in the SEC. I was thinking we'd start with Buffalo and then we'd go to the Power Five teams. Then we trade. We can go with actually. Let's let's do that. That's good. And then you can pick a team along with Arkansas, and then we can jump into those teams. But Buffalo, I I don't know how to feel about Buffalo. They are actually projected to go nine and four according to Athlon Sports. They went eight and five last year. Um, yeah, and this Buffalo team has Jarrett Patterson at running back. Kyle Van Treese took over for Buffalo at a quarterback, Tyree Jackson. Van Treese took over for Tyree Jackson. They got two senior tight ends, their best tight end since Mason Shrek. They've got a senior left tackle, Owosika, and Antonio Nunn back at receiver. He's another starting receiver in Daniel Lee. So they got four senior receivers. So this Buffalo team has a lot of veteran pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Two seniors on the right side of the offensive line with hardly any starting experience. Mike Novsitsky is a returning starter at center. He's a sophomore, true sophomore. He was left guard last year. Buffalo had a center in the 2020 draft that went undrafted. So he's making the move from guard to center, Novitsky. And Buffalo just seems like a very intriguing team offensively. And I want to get your thoughts on their offense before I transition to the defense because Patterson's the headline player. I mean, I think everybody who scouted the draft this year, he had um, fifth in the country. He had 20 touchdowns, right? 1,800, nearly 1,800 rushing yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. I think he had a receiving touchdown too, which would be 20. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was a big fan of Tyree Jackson too. (laughs) I like that dude. But, I mean, it's not really so much about their offense, though, because I think with Patterson back, they're going to be able to do pretty much the same thing. I mean, their defense was 26 in the country last year. So how are they going to be able to maintain that, right? So that's really what it comes down to, because if they're ahead early, that means Patterson's going to be able to break out some big runs because teams are going to have to open co- overcompensate for play action. Because, I mean – they, they have a couple of receivers coming back. They have some very good 43 defensive ends in Malcolm Kuntz and Taylor Riggins. Kuntz had nine sacks. Riggins had eight and a half. And yep. Kuntz got by left tackles. Riggins got by right tackles. But they're probably both interchangeable with the way coaches prepare these guys for the NFL. And James Patterson, middle linebacker, he played outside linebacker his first two seasons. But he moved to middle linebacker um, – for this season as junior, he's going to be... Ladarius Mack graduated? Who? Ladarius Mack? The defensive end? He was like a speed rusher? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's a bummer. <laughs> Kuntz and Riggins are there, though. They both had nine, eight and a half sacks at, off the edge. So, and Eddie Wilson anchors a run defense that was fourth in the country. Eddie Wilson's a 320-pound nose tackle. He's a junior, 
but he's going to anchor a defense that rank run defense that ranked fourth in the country. And the reason this run defense is so good, they have three returning starters at linebacker: Tim Terry Jr., James Patterson, Kadofi Wright, and then they got the Kuntz Riggins edge rusher tandem. And you got a three hundred twenty pound nose tackle, Andy Wilson. So Buffalo's going to have a very good front seven. I mean, they won eight games last year. I mean, they've been pretty good the last couple of years. Lance Leopold is a uh... Has gotten at least consistent. Avery Washington uh, was tied with uh, their Kadofi Wright for two interceptions, and I don't see Kadofi Wright as an outside linebacker, so he's probably really good in coverage. But Washington was their best corner, only returning starter at corner. But they have two senior defensive backs, Baker and Brown, who haven't started, and they have Ty Rowan Hill, a free safety, who's a returning starter. So, I mean, overall. Buffalo actually looks like one of the better teams on both sides of the ball. That's the thing. And they, they can thank the uh, Big Ten because one of their non-conference games was against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And but that would have been a big money make. That would have brought in some money, though. I think yeah. they were going to get like Army. a, what was it, uh, $1.1 million, right, that yeah, handout? Their games, their non-conference games are Kansas State, St. Francis, Ohio State, and Army. So I'd say at least half of those games are getting canceled. Big Ten hasn't made Big Twelve hasn't made a decision yet on Kansas State. I could see St. Francis withdrawing and canceling mm-hmm. that game because it's a non-conference game and they have to travel to Buffalo, and that's brutal. well. It's in state. I mean, it could work. I mean, um, Buffalo could try if Albany ends up having this. If their league ends up having their season, Albany could be a replacement opponent. I could see how that works out. Well, St. Francis is in PA. They'd have to go to Buffalo. They'd have to go to New York. Yeah, that's a bit of a drive. I don't think they want to do that. If no. it was Albany, yeah, they could still they could work around it. Yeah, like Pitt. Like if St. Francis played Pitt instead. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That game will probably get canceled, and the Ohio State game did get canceled. So right. I still think the Kansas State game on September 5th is on, but that's only until the Big 12 Makes a decision, right? The Army game, I think that's going to be canceled. I don't think Buff- – well, I don't know. Our- Buffalo Army could still be on because they're both in New York and it's an in-state game. Yeah. I mean, I could see, like, you know, um, it being twisted on the political end going, you know what, our results have been good and we're going to keep we're going to keep the games going. Which I wonder if it's going to – Because that's – and not to sidetrack here too far, but a little bit of a historical standpoint. This is the way college football used to be way back before, like, in the 60s and 50s. Like, this is why Syracuse, Pitt, BC, and Penn State all dominant programs because they were the big schools, the feeder schools in the whole area. So they were able to dominate, basically split the whole northeast, north Atlantic by, like, quadrants, essentially. And they had their own zones. And, of course, you know, each of, the, each of those four schools had their stretch where they were pretty good. Uh, BC in the 40s, uh, Syracuse in the 50s, 60s, and then a little bit in the 70s. Penn State obviously was dominant. And then Pitt was a national champion a few times. So it just goes to show that's pretty much like where college football could be heading with this currently standing right now. So yeah. a lot of the schools playing local or regional areas like – for example, imagine how hard it's going to be for uh, UMass as an independent because, I mean, think about it. They were scheduling all those power schools the first couple of years to kind of build up the program to kind of generate some revenue for the athletic department. And they were doing the same thing with basketball and, and obviously because their hockey program is pretty good too. So, 
Yeah, but they they had Buffalo going six and two in the MAC and finishing first place in the MAC East mm-hmm. at nine and four overall. That was before the games were canceled. So two games get canceled, three, and they go six and two in the MAC because I think the only tough games they'll lose to Kansas State if that game is still on. But the only tough games in the MAC I'd say are the Kent State game on October seventeenth against Dustin Crum. They did beat Jordan Love in their bowl game, and they did beat Buffalo at home last year, but this time that game in Buffalo. Um, Northern Illinois has a good quarterback. I previewed them on a previous anchor episode. They have to go at Northern Illinois. So that's going to be a tough road game. Um, Miami, Ohio beat Buffalo at home last year. They have Blaine Gaffney, uh-huh. brother. And it's their first time they've had a true freshman starting for uh, Miami, Ohio, since Ben Roethlisberger. So Blaine Gabbard's little brother comes to Buffalo on November 10th. I think they won the MAC last year, Miami, Ohio, and they go to Athens, Ohio, to face the Ohio Bobcats on the 18th, and that's a tough stadium to play in. So, I mean, there's four good games for Buffalo. Those are four key conference games for Buffalo because I can see those conference games going either way. But with the talent on both sides of the ball, I mean, Kent State did does have Dustin Crum back, but I don't think they have the balance that Buffalo has I'm just because their roster depth charts right next to Buffalo's and I'm looking at their roster and the games in Buffalo. So I'm going to lean Buffalo towards that game. Northern Illinois is a game. It's a tough one for me to decide because I look at what they've done. Miami, Ohio. I think they won the, uh, didn't they? Yeah, they won the Mac championship over central Michigan. Central Michigan was favored to win that game. I think that Miami, Ohio game is, probably the game that's going to decide the Mac East that game because both Miami, Ohio and Buffalo have a lot of talent returning this year. And that November 10th game, it's a late season game. Even though Athens has a tough opponent, they did lose their quarterback. They did lose Javon Hagan. Um, so they, um, they lost a lot of talent. The Ohio Bobcats, they lost a lot of talent. Yeah, they did. They, yeah, had, they, did. they had a Nathan Rourke and Javon Hagan last year. So, I don't think Buff- I don't think they can beat Buffalo and Athens. And if they had the crowd, I'd probably give them a shot. But with coronavirus, if it's a crowdless game, I give Buffalo mm. the advantage in that one. So, really, the only two games on the schedule that worry me are those two November games against Northern Illinois, led by Ross Bowers, the senior quarterback, and a lot of the re- they have a lot of returning starters on both sides of the ball and a very good front seven. And the game against Miami, Ohio. So Ross Bowers. And Gabbert, um, Gabbert, Brett Gabbert, the younger brother of Blaine Gabbert. So those are the two Mac quarterbacks I'm looking at as the, the quarterbacks that can be threats to Buffalo. Because I think it was, um, it was Central Michigan versus Miami, Ohio beats Central Michigan. And I don't know if Central Michigan's going to have it in them to get back to the Mac championship. The Chippewas do have three, five, seven starters on offense. A fresh, they have a true freshman quarterback. Or a freshman redshirt quarterback, so forget them. No, I, I think they can still finish second in the MAC West, but it's like they have a freshman quarterback. I wouldn't bet on them to win the MAC or get the MAC championship for that matter. So I think Buffalo, if they can get by Miami, Ohio, they will be good. But they have. Um, well, they ooh, lost to Liberty last year, too, Buffalo. Ooh, Athlon has Toledo going to the MAC championship. They got Toledo. I don't, do. I don't agree with that. I don't think Toledo's just going to storm their way to the They back. were 6-6 six six last year, right? Let me look at Toledo. 
There's so many teams in the MAC. They went seven and six actually, but they lost to Buffalo thirty to forty nine. They lost to Central Michigan forty nine to seven. They have um, one, two, six starters on offense and six on defense returning. So mm. they are a team that could make a move. So who's the quarterback? Eli Peters. Yep. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Colbeck's going to be there, so they'll be okay. And then they had a young receiving core anyway, so they were they, – they, I mean, I could see Toledo, but that's a big jump to go from, like, 7-6 and six to, like, possibly 10-11 wins. I don't think they'd win 10 or 11 games, especially with the reduced conference schedule. But they get Ohio, they get Bowling Green at home, Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan. But, I mean, in a normal season perspective, that's what it would be, though. Yeah. I think the team that's going to come out of the MAC West is <clears> – <throat> by Ross Bowers, a quarterback. Because, I mean, I know they they have them at 4-8, the Mac West, but it's like mm-hmm. I think they're a very balanced team on both sides of the ball with Bowers and – Oh, Toledo was supposed to play Ross San Diego Bowers State. Ross Bowers had seven touchdowns and eight interceptions, though. That's the thing that worries people about mm. them. I mean, I, I think the Mac West is just awful. I think the Mac East with Buffalo and Miami, Ohio, and – Kent State with Dustin Crum, who made won a bowl game against Jordan Love, and they have Ohio finishing third in the MAC East, even though they lost Rourke and Javon Hagen. So mm. I think the MAC East is like the SEC West, honestly, this year. Buffalo, Miami, Ohio, Ohio, and Kent State all in one conference. I think that's the stronger conference. Just it tends, yeah. you know what, and it tends to fluctuate because I mean, Northern Illinois had their run where they were really good. Yeah. Um, Central Michigan had their run where they were really good. Yeah, they did too. Toledo, Toledo had Philip Eli who transferred from what Alabama, right? And he was pretty good there. That twelve and O team a few years ago. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's it fluctuates. It goes. Conference is a conference of parity, but my pick to win would probably be. They have Buffalo over Toledo. Okay, so they actually have Buffalo beating Toledo. I mean, I, I don't think there's a team in the MAC on paper that's better than Buffalo if that defense is just as good as it was last year. I think it's Buffalo and Miami, Ohio. Those are the two teams. Because Miami, well, that's Ohio, fair. MAC. I think that's those. Fair. I think those are. That's the MAC championship, November tenth. I mean, I'm a little more sold on Toledo than I was when you said that three minutes ago. <laughs> Though I will say, because they have a they had a young roster last year, so maybe. If they're expecting a big jump, maybe consistent quarterback play, which they did not have last year, that could be something. Yeah, because Brett Gabbert led Miami, Ohio, to the MAC championship as a true freshman. And you look at the offensive side of the ball, they've got four offensive linemen returning, two receivers, um, Homer, their senior tight end, and Blaine, Brett Gabbert, the younger brother of Blaine Gabbert, along with the Jalen Bester, Tyree Shelton combo. So their offense, mm-hmm. outside of right tackle, they have – starters returning at every position on the offensive side of the ball except right tackle. And they've got three, five, seven starters on the defensive side of the ball. But a freshman kicker and punter. So special teams is my biggest concern with this Miami-Ohio squad. But Brett Gabbert won MAC freshman of the year, and they have, I think, outside of Buffalo and Miami-Ohio, those are the two juggernauts, the MAC this year. No, I could see that. I mean, I think it's a three-team race to win it, though, in all honesty. Who do you think's like. that third team? Um. Well, actually, you know what? I could see. You know, what? after seeing the case that we just discussed for Toledo, I think Toledo becomes the third horse. But it becomes: can they get the quarterback play? Right? Even if they have just average quarterback play, they're in it. 
That's just all I'm Toledo saying. Toledo did lose to Northern Illinois 31-28 last year. They right. did lose to Northern Illinois and Ross Bowers. Right. So I'm going to go on a limb. But I like Miami's schedule considering that even if they don't have to play Pitt and they pretty much – they could easily get nine out of that. They can go nine and two out of that. I agree. I think we could see – we could honestly see Buffalo. I think Buffalo, I think Buffalo and Miami on on that side, but I still think Toledo could be like a third. Like they could be kind of like um, how like not to make a Premier League reference, but kind of how Leicester City was at the beginning of the season with Manchester City and and Liverpool before Liverpool took off and they slid. They were just they were in it. Now they may not have the horses to maintain the whole season. Obviously, they're a very young team, but if you look at their schedule. Uh, I mean, San Diego State, there's no way in hell they're going to go all the way to Toledo. So that game's going to get canceled. And they're not going to Tulsa. And Michigan State got canceled already. So, I mean, you're telling me between CCSU, the MAC schedule, they can't get six wins out of that or seven wins out of that? They're going to be a presence. I think they can beat one of those two teams. That's how I think they can get themselves. The freshman quarterback at Daniel Richardson, so they're out of it. Right. Right, but I mean, Ball State, that's not going to be a bother. Eastern Michigan, that's not going to be a bother. Bowling Green might be a tough game for them, but Akron is at Akron, so that might be a tough game for them. But, I mean, I could see them getting 7-8 wins. But their defense is good, Central Michigan. Ball State, they lost some starters to the NFL draft. They do have Drew Plitt, Caleb Huntley, Justin Hall. They do have a lot of players, though. So, I mean... Ball State's intriguing because I feel like they have a very easy schedule outside. They get a lot of the tough opponents at home. They get Buffalo and Miami, Ohio on the road, and Central Michigan on the road. So And Toledo on the road, never mind Ball State. Yeah, they have too many road opponents. Yeah, just Western too many road Michigan, games for them to be involved. Western Michigan has like five starters on both sides of the ball. They're not, they, they're, they have them going six and six, but I don't They're know. very young, too. I mean, yeah. considering you just talked about Richardson, I mean, they do have a freshman – that I mean, they have a transfer coming in, so obviously that's some. They have a couple transfers coming in. I, oh, so actually a sidebar here, since this has to do with the MAC in general. Uh, do you think that the new transfer rules, right? Because JT Daniels became eligible. I know you talked about it on either Monday or last Friday, but um, you know JT Daniels is now going to be able to be eligible to play for Georgia and compete for the job with Jamie Newman. Do the MAC schools possibly take advantage of some of the Big Ten transfers? Or some of the, you know, uh, Big 12, maybe some of the, um, you know what I mean, some of the transfers are going out just seeking playing time? Yeah, perhaps. And here's another interesting thing. I found the MAC recruiting by schools. Buffalo came in 12th in the conference in recruiting. They were dead last in recruiting among all the MAC teams. But their strategy has been with the JUCOs. That's Lance Leopold because he used to be a junior college recruiter. Yeah, so but they've gotten good players from. Oh, players. excellent players, yeah. Excellent players, yeah. And Toledo actually is the number one recruiting by school. So I could see why you pick Toledo now that you put that. Well, no, it's just like the logic that we explained, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy that a 6-6 six and six team is being projected to, the, to win the division. But at the same time, like, you know, they're well, as I said, they've, They've have a little legacy. It's not like they're completely a bad team. They're a young team. So, and I also look at well, Central Michigan's coached by Jim McElwain. So, how long is it going to take for McElwain to get himself, um, you know, a squad that's going to be competitive? Because I know he has at least four freshmen projected to be either first or second on the depth chart on offense. Yep. 
And Toledo has two first-team players on their offensive line, but they don't have any first-team players on defense. So I, that's what worries me because it's like it's so up in the air. I mean, Buffalo is probably the team I think that's the most complete. Right. But you look at Kobach still on Toledo. He's second-team. Um, Bryce Mitchell's a senior receiver is a second-team receiver for Toledo, and they do have a good balance of first- and second-team players along with the number one recruiting um in the conference for this season. So I think that depth gives Toledo the advantage when looking at this a little bit more in depth. Any more thoughts on the Mac? I'm going to let you pick a team to preview and then a non-Power 5 team, and then we'll get into the Power 5 teams, Arkansas, Syracuse, and Pitt. We can go in any order. I'm saving – I think we should save Arkansas for the end because they're the SEC power. They're the SEC team. I don't know if they're – Because there's a couple of other elements that have to be talked about with Arkansas. So I think we can definitely save them for the end. Uh, Since we already kind of mentioned Northern Illinois a little bit, um, let's bring them up because, once again, coached by Thomas Hammock, um, they have – they have a – Ross Bowers is a senior, correct? I think you mentioned that earlier. I I did a Northern Illinois uh, one yeah. yes show earlier, and yes, he is a senior. Yeah, Jordan Nettles will be in running back. Uh, I'm, it's interesting to see because they have a tra- they have a couple of um, there were a couple of transfers that they were linked to, uh, and they only got Jack Heflin, I think, the grad transfer. So that's kind of a bummer for them. But I like to see you know where that defense goes. Um, but I think offensively they have they have enough talent to to cause some havoc in the Mac, definitely. Yeah, and they've got uh, two freshman running backs. Um, they've got John Javon got Ducker, yeah, Ducker, the true freshman, and they've got Ron Darius Gregory. I'm not sure if Gregory's a freshman redshirt or because he's not listed as a recruit or top ten recruit on the team. But they got two freshmen competing for the running back job, so that's. Well, I've seen they have Michael Love and Fabian McRae too, and they're getting them on. They're getting them on the depth chart right away. So, it's one of those things. Maybe like if there was a normal freshman, if there was a normal training camp, we might actually know the answer to that right away. Yeah, and they, even what people are saying, they're an opposing uh, team in progress. Ross Bowers is a Cal transfer. He went from Cal to Northern Illinois. And he's done much better there. And while he's not an NFL quarterback, he's a quarterback that can take a team like Northern Illinois to the MAC championship. Mm-hmm. So, do we want to move on to Pitt? Yeah, let's just move on to. We can Pitt, Syracuse. We'll break down. Of we can, yeah, we can pick which team we break down first. We're going to break down both teams, Pitt and Syracuse. We'll do Pitt first, then we'll go to Syracuse and Arkansas because. Syracuse was the original team for the 17th, and then Arkansas was the team for the 16th. So we'll save those two teams for the end, and we'll just break down Pitt right now. Because I think this Pitt team, they did make the ACC championship two years ago when they lost to Clemson. They got thumped by Clemson. Yeah, they did. They are just – they might be the team. Them, they might be the challenger to North Carolina. They just have so many good prospects this year. Because I remember – Clemson, I think they beat my Virginia this year, and last year it was a pit. But Pittsburgh has a lot of pieces. I mean, they have a lot of seniors. They do. And this, I mean, let's just start. Let's just start here. Kenny Pickett, right? AJ Davis. They have Taser Mack. They have Hargrove, Morrissey, Uh, Gabe Huey is basically a senior because he was a medical redshirt as a sophomore, so he technically shouldn't should have played that whole season. So he's a senior too. Um, then you have Patrick Jones on defense. Um, 
Twyman is a redshirt junior. Uh, Camp, Weaver, uh, Chase Pines, a redshirt senior. Phil Campbell is a senior. Pennick, Hamlin, Mathis, uh, both kicker and punter. I mean, they're, this is pro- they probably have the most seniors of any Power 5 team, if yeah, I had to guess. Pinnick, it, Pinnick played next to Dane Jackson in that ACC championship. He was actually the number one corner in that game. Dane was the number two corner. But Pinnick got less – Pinnick got benched for Damari Mathis. So now it's Damari Mathis and Pinnick with Dane Jackson gone. So I, I know Apollon says Pinnick is not a returning starter, but he started as a sophomore next to Dane – Jackson, the ACC championship. So, well, they used him. Him. They always used him in a nickel before, though. They did. They used him in a nickel, but they did use him on the outside in the ACC championship. And the actually out of necessity. Yeah. Maybe they were dinged up with injuries, but you know, that's the thing that I. I mean, I loved. I loved Pitt's corners last year. Now I just love their secondary. I think their secondary. I think they have the best secondary in the ACC now that Clemson's lost all that talent. I mean, Clemson can still get a good corner or two, but I think this year Pitt's going to have the best secondary in the ACC with all the talent they have coming back. And it's interesting with uh, John Pe- um, Perichin going to be kind of in there as a, another option for the DBs, a grad transfer from Penn State. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets involved or if he's just involved in special teams, but he, they haven't listed a second on the depth chart at safety. So And I love their defensive line too. Jones is a great edge rusher and you've got Twyman who's the best of interior lineman since Aaron Donald, yeah. Weaver's a senior off the edge, and then you've got they got enough depth there too. Campbell, so. Chase Pine, Cam Bright Jr. I mean, they've got a lot of starters as far as the defense goes, and then offense you got Pickett, you got AJ Davis, and Israel Abinaconda, probably yeah, yeah, Brooklyn's finest, <laughs> top run, top running back in New York, in the state of New York, the top running back recruit. Yeah. So, and maybe, considering Pittsburgh's recent history with running backs, I think he made a good decision. Four offensive linemen returning and Taysir Mack being that feature number one receiver. I mean, this is the most complete pit team I've seen in a while. But and I think I, Jordan, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna get Jordan Addison involved. That was another big recruit for them too. They're gonna get him involved very early, um, and I think Jared Wayne, and I think Jared Mack. Wayne's gonna be a factor too. So it won't be all Mack. Yeah. It, Mack will have some guys taking pressure off of him. So, and last year, Maurice French led the team in receptions, not 96. And Mack only had 63. That was more of a number two guy. Now he's got to be the number one guy. So, I think if the pit has any weaknesses, it's going to be the receiving, the passing game. Because I think the running game is going to be just as lethal. It's when they had a Dion, they had a two running backs, Quadri Olison, and they had another running back that was draft eligible. James Conner before that. So. And then they had but I forget the other kid they had, yeah. They had yeah. another short running back who was good. Yeah, but Pitts have always been a running back factory. I mean, this dates back to the Tony Dorsett days. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. they ever Curtis since Martin. That Curtis Martin, they just continue to reload at running back. They're a strong running back school. And I think, yeah, only reason I posted that um, Edward Keza thing is because I had him in my 2019 and 2020 MLS mock before he chose – before he didn't get a generation Adidas offer. So he was on my radar for two years. I saw two of his games at Ambrose Field where Pitt plays their college soccer because they played Duke with Sergi Nuss, one of the players they interviewed. And then they played Lehigh in a tournament game. And it was the first tournament game in Pitt college soccer history. So they're like, I'm going to go because it's a tournament game. And if Pitt wins, I'll be a part of sports history. 
for Pitt men's soccer. So I went and they won. And then they lost 5 nothing to Georgetown, the team that ended up winning the College Cup. So, so but there yeah. you go. But I mean, just looking at like Kenny Pickett, and for example, I think, um, you know, he threw for 3,000 yards last year, right? But I mean, if you look at the touchdown total, he only threw 13 touchdowns. Yeah. And so that Pitt tells was, me that Pitt's passing game struggles in the red zone. And that's the biggest thing they have to improve on. And Pickett's a short and medium thrower. Yeah, he can throw it. He can make a deep throw now and then, but he'll only complete two or five 40 yard throws a game. And that's not enough to win unless your running backs carry you to victory. Pretty much. I mean, when you're playing teams like Miami, North Carolina, even Virginia Tech, that's known for defense. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know how Pittsburgh can expect to win the ACC Coastal if they can't square up with North Carolina. Because I look at Carolina's roster in comparison, and I feel a lot better about Carolina's situation, especially with the big recruiting class that they brought in. Um, You know, Sam Howell obviously is a talent. And then I obviously love what they're doing defensively. And plus, I have more faith in Mac Turner. I mean, not Mac Brown, sorry. Mac Brown as a coach. Then, I mean, I like Narduzzi. But again, if Kenny Pickett's going to throw 13 touchdown passes next season, then Pitt is going to be right back where they were, third, fourth place with a very talented roster. Yeah, and Pickett, this is the thing with Pickett. Freshman year, he true freshman, he doesn't start most of his true freshman year, but he comes in late in the season, beats the Miami Hurricanes, the undefeated Miami Hurricanes at Heinz Field, and he has that statement win where, and he played well in that game. No turnovers, made great decisions, and he had that statement game where you're telling yourself, you know, this Pickett kid's all right. He could be a first-round pick if he continues to improve. Then he, then he faces Penn State at Heinz Field, and he, he has a lot of talent around him in that game, and he just lays an absolute egg in that game against Amani Uwari. I think that was us. Yeah, a lot of the 2019 prospects. At, in 2018, he has a bad game against Penn State. He did better in Happy Valley this year. He actually grew as a quarterback, and he did better compared to that first meeting. But he, he's just too inconsistent. But he was at the Peyton Manning camp. And he is on the senior bowl radar. He went to Manning 11 camp coming out of high school. And he's a guy that's been on the senior bowl radar. Like, Nagy's tweeted about him. So, he's a good college quarterback. But I just – the history of Pitt quarterbacks it's, it hasn't been good outside of Dan Marino. You look at the quarterbacks that have been brought into the NFL. I mean, let's talk about Peterman. Peterman. Oof. There it was – before Peterman, there was the guy the Texans drafted. Uh, I forget his name, but he was on the Texans 2014 draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at Nick Patty, but I don't know. I, don't, I haven't I haven't seen Nick Patty play the backup for Pitt, so I don't know if there's like a situation because Tom it, Savage, that's the quarterback. Well, Tom Savage is another yeah. He was in the NFL yeah. for a little bit too. But I was just thinking, like, even if they even if Pickett struggles out the gate, I don't know if Narduzzi has another option on that depth chart. They have uh, Nick Patty, who's a sophomore quarterback. The other quarterback that was the backup was Ben DiNucci. He transferred to James Madison and got picked by the Cowboys in the seventh round. So that's – so Pickett, realistically, if Pickett has a good season, you can make an argument he's worthy of a sixth-round pick because if Ben DiNucci gets picked and Pickett beat him out for the starting job as a freshman, you can make the argument that 
Pickett's worth a sixth-round pick. He honestly can, and nobody's going to argue against that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I, I, I see with me and the Coastal, and I told you this already off air. I before, think probably. I think North Carolina wins that Coastal. Like, you know, Pickett's probably an NFL backup if he gets drafted, but it's like you know. He, see, I don't he, know if he makes a roster. To me, if Shea Patterson couldn't make a team. If, um, you know, Jeremiah Masoli, for example, similar kind of quarterback, kind of a shorter to media passing game, although he had more of a mobile, um, you know, but that, that there's really more to it than that. You know, uh, I, I just, as I said, I'm sold on Carolina this year. I think that Carolina is the one team in the ACC that can go up to Clemson and punch him in the mouth. I agree because they almost beat Clemson at home last year it was a home game and they only lost that game by a point and they led a majority of the game and they have a lot of returning starters they don't have any returning starters in the defensive line but they have three linebackers returning two corners returning even a nickel corner and they've got two senior safeties and they just have the blueprint the team they and they're recruiting they're out recruiting Clemson so they're trying to position themselves so that Sam Howell is the hero and savior of that school and he ends up beating Clemson at least once, even if they lose to Clemson in the ACC championship. I mean, Sam Howell is a sophomore, right? He's going to have Daz Newsom and Damani Brown. And Miami Hurricanes have two sack guys that got double-digit sacks in Rosso and Roche. And they got Both first-round picks, most likely. Jalen Phillips, too, is a backup to those guys. Phillips. Yep. So that it's like Pitt's got their work cut out for them. They uh, play. They lost to Miami 16-12 to at Heinz Field after Pickett beat the team as a true freshman. That's the other thing that's disappointing. It's like they beat an undefeated Miami team at home as a freshman, and then Pickett has a 12-16 loss against the team that he already beat. So there's that expectation of he's got to beat this team. So you're looking at a backup or a third stringer, or perhaps even a warm body that's not even going to make a roster. And with Pitt's history at quarterback in recent years, I'd say you're most likely looking at a third stringer or a warm body. Well, a quick point with Miami. I, I think you already talked about Miami before. But um, let's talk about Derek King for a second, the former Houston quarterback, because he could actually factor into this ACC race because if he can elevate that Miami offense to what they haven't been in the recent past, this becomes a very interesting situation because when Miami was good a couple of years ago, everyone had fun. The media had fun seeing Miami get back to the top again, right? Everyone loves a comeback story. So Derek King goes to Miami. Somehow marches. Hold on. I'm, I'm setting the stage right now. So Miami plays uh, Pitt on October 26th, right? Now, hopefully in Pennsylvania, they'll be able to have the game at Heinz Field. There might be about 35,000 people, hopefully. You know, we'll, we'll get to that point. And I then the Derek King beats Pittsburgh. Well, think about this, right? I mean, they play North Carolina at North Carolina in September. If Derek King goes out and wins that game, Miami is on the national radar. Never mind the fact if they beat Florida, if that game still happens. So they, they might go 0-2 to start out, Chris. But I still think Miami could go nine and three, eight and four, because the rest of the ACC is just not that good, and they don't play Clemson. The only team in the ACC coastal that I just don't like on paper is Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech's got well, they're in a massive rebuild. Starters, 
Virginia made the ACC championship last year. Yeah, but the, the players and defense. I don't think they're going to get back there. They lo- did lose their quarterback, Bryce Perkins. So, and they lost Joe Reed. And then Tech, Tech's going to need a year to recoup themselves too. Yeah. So a lot of seniors, a lot of good players. So do. it'll be a fun team to watch, but I don't think they'll be the team that makes the ACC. I mean, look at the last four games of the season for Miami, right? A completely rebuilding and falling apart Florida State. A completely rebuilding and falling apart Louisville. FIU and Duke. They should be able to win those last four games. Actually, though, they're la- those that's last year's schedule. Oh, that's last. It, no, that's 2020. No, they played Florida Atlantic, Duke, and Louisiana Tech. Oh, they did last year. Oh, then they our lads as far our lads let me down here. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I got the Athlon Sports schedule. It's got the results from 2019 and 2020. Um, the magazine I bought it at um, Rite Aid or Walgreens. Um, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech are their opponents. So they get Florida State at Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech and Duke. So the Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech is probably the toughest game for the Hurricanes. And uh, you know what? Even now looking at the corrected schedule, they should be able to win their last five games. They get Virginia at Virginia on Halloween. So that'll be really, fun. And they, and they get Pitt and North Carolina at home. Right. So, so I mean, even this. have the most favorable schedule. I mean, Wake Forest isn't a hard game. Right, Jamie. They don't have to worry about Jamie Newman. Right, Tech, Duke, and Florida State, and Louisville. Actually, they don't play Louisville this year. But those three teams are crumbling. Like those programs are crumbling apart. UAB. Only one of these games that would have been a non-conference game that would have been a loss was the game at East Lansing against Michigan State, and the Big Ten canceled that game. See, I think Miami could have won that game. See, to me, Michigan State now that D'Antonio, it's like, eh. Michigan State's going to be a free fall. Yes. Football. Shame on you for denying us that game, but I understand the situation, the positions you're in. So it's like. I mean, think about this. You know, last year, Miami almost beat Florida, and that's a really good Florida team. What makes you think? Oh, I mean, this year, they don't. I don't think they're playing Florida this year. Obviously, no uh, non-conference games, but sadly, but like this Miami team with Derrick King could have beat Florida. If Miami's – I mean, Miami's defense – we know the pass rush will show up, okay? Florida has had problems at quarterback. So you're telling me if I stop Florida's run game, it gives Miami a chance to win that game in the end. And Derrick King is a much better quarterback than Nicorsi uh, uh, Capari. That's for sure. Just from what I've seen at Houston, I know that. Yep. And I think Miami's one of these teams that they could honestly be in the discussion. Them, North Carolina – Pitt. And the only reason I'm giving Virginia Virginia Tech because I love their uh, – I think Virginia Tech, they got seven starters on both sides of the ball and a favorable schedule, so I'll give Virginia Tech a shot. And the only reason I'm giving Virginia a shot is because they're the defending ACC champions. So there's five teams in the ACC Coastal that are going to be fun to watch, but only one's going to get the chance to dethrone Clemson. So honestly, the Coastal division is probably more fun to watch than the Atlantic. But oh, easily. It's been that way for a while. Yeah, it has. And I, we mentioned Edward Kizza. Pitt's soccer factory is getting better. And Syracuse is a good soccer factory, too. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about their football team now. We'll transition from Pitt to Syracuse. Um, Syracuse has one guy I really love on the defensive side of the ball. That's number seven, Andre Sisco. Mm-hmm. And if there's some game, bad game film of Cisco, it's probably against that Maryland game. Because Josh Jackson, I think he had a field day against Syracuse in that 63-20 win. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah. So there's some tape 
you see some weaknesses on tape with Cisco, I would probably look for the Syracuse-Maryland game. And it's funny. I typed in Andre Cisco on YouTube, and the only game film that comes up are the games where Syracuse played Western Michigan, Syracuse played a Duke-Louisville teams that Syracuse is expected to win. So I'm kind of curious. I might try to go back and find that film because I know. Well, they opened the season. uh, They were supposed to open the season at Chestnut Hill, right, in Boston? They haven't canceled that game yet. No. I know. um, I think they're just waiting, right? I mean, in essence, like, everything's kind of tamed out up here. I mean, like there's four. I already checked the September fourth, fifth week. There's three or four games. Actually, there's three. Utah BYU got canceled because of a BYU. Oh uh, no, holy war! Oh jeez, that's usually yeah, a good know, football game. They're both Mount. They're both. They were both former Mountain West teams. But Utah, I realize Utah's now in the Pac-12. They're no longer Mountain West, and BYU doesn't want to play their opponents in the first month of the season. Right. This year, so. but that might end up being like I know Utah had a non-conference game in November. So this basically, year that they lost they, out on. All so the that non-conference games get canceled. We only get three games for week one. Right. Boston College, Syracuse, Michigan State, Northwestern, and Purdue at Nebraska. And the only Saturday games are the Purdue, the Big Ten games. So College Game Day would basically have to choose between going to um, East Lansing or Northwestern or Nebraska to watch Rondale Moore against that Nebraska team. And they might not even do college game day this year. They might just be like, you know, we're going to do all the college game day stuff indoors, live from studio. We can still have Corso putting on the headgear, but with the coronavirus, we are going to stay indoors. And what they could do for college game day is they could have masks. They could have Herb Street and uh, Desmond Howard pick masks for the winner for the headline game each week. They could have like a coronavirus mask and use it as a prop item to pick the winners. And they can do everything in studio with social distancing. Boom. I just saved you 50% by switching to Geico ESPN. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. So Syracuse, I'll tell you one non-conference game that could happen for Syracuse for a fact. I think they're still going to have the Colgate game. I don't yeah. think that game's going to, I mean, Colgate's what, like an hour away from there? Yeah. That's not, that, that'll happen. And then, um, I that's mean, they, that is, I mean, either way, that's a great, uh, that's a good spot for Colgate anyway, because Carrier Dome is much better than, uh, no, no offense to Colgate University, but it's a small school. Uh, Carrier Dome is definitely Unless made the for the show. He cancels um, the uh, non-conference game against Western Michigan. I still think that game. That one, be- that one could, actually, that one could still happen. I think it, Western but why Michigan- can't we get Syracuse Pitt? On September 26th instead of November 28th. I don't want to wait the whole season for Syracuse Pitt, man. Just play September 26th. Yeah, I agree with you. That should, like, they can it, switch it, that it, up. It's old. They're both Honestly, free that they day. should move that game up to September 12th because Syracuse Rutgers got canceled. Really? So. Oh, yeah, that's true. And they're both free that weekend. Yeah. That's true, too. Actually, I like that even better. Because then at the end of the season, if you have the non-conference games at the end of the season, you can still have them. They can probably schedule those last minute. Yes, you know what Pitt I mean? Plays, Pitt goes to Marshall on September 12th. So, Oh, Pitt, that's a big rivalry for them. That They don't screw Pitt, around with that. It goes to Marshall. They have to face the Thundering Herd on September 12th. So yeah, that's a big Marshall rivalry for them, that too. Game, yeah. They can't do that. Is Pitt still going to play West Virginia? I would assume they probably still could. No, they don't play West Virginia in football. They play West Virginia in baseball. Actually, they actually. Wait, that was, that's the backyard brawl, though. Oh, that's right. They haven't had that rivalry in a while. 
Yeah, they need to bring that back. Play, they were supposed to play at PNC Park this year before coronavirus canceled. That's true. I was so pumped for that. Like, they were going to have the backyard brawl for college baseball at PNC Park, where the Pirates yeah. I remember now, seeing that in one of the college football groups we're both in, and they're like, why can't we get the football game? You know? Honestly, having a backyard Both schools respect the hell out of each other, too. West That's Virginia, a respectful-ass rivalry. College soccer at Heinz Field. That will draw people. People will go to that. How many go to that? Like, you say 20,000? Yeah. I mean, that's a big rivalry. It's a, But it's like, the only way you can move Syracuse Pitt up to September 12th is if um, you move that. Um, but that's another rivalry game. For Pitt, they host so. Notre Dame on the 17th. Pitt hosts Notre Dame on the 17th. Who's Syracuse facing the 17th? Liberty. October 17th, you can move it up to logistically because both Pitt and Syracuse have non-conference games that week. And that's the soccer you're talking about, right? No, I'm talking about the football, Brian. Uh, Syracuse and Pitt both have non-conference games on October 17th for football. Syracuse hosts Liberty. Pitt hosts Notre Dame. Uh-huh. So if both of those – so if ACC cancels non-conference games, move Syracuse Pitt up to the 17th. Boom. See? There you go. I mean, I, I, actually, they did postpone the Colgate game, so they didn't cancel it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, or they can move that game to the 17th, too. See, or like, move that to August. Have that be like, the season debut in late August. They're not making – ACC just made a public announcement. No fall sports games will take place until September 1st. That means any college soccer games, like exhibitions that would have took place in August, are automatically canceled. Oh, now. okay, so that's out of the realm. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a 22-day gap. For Syracuse right now between Boston College and Western Michigan. Yeah. And Syracuse is a great soccer program, too. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Four players from their shout out to, La- to shout out to the LAX year. program, too. They're a, Bo Adams, they're a good LAX program. Kamal Miller and Ryan Raposo, who actually got an assist against my LA Galaxy back in March and came in during the uh, Vancouver MLS's back game. He's he probably the front runner when rookie of the year, Ryan Raposo, fourth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Syracuse has got some great soccer like Pitt, and I don't know if there's a game on their schedule where they can make a bowl game. That's really at Boston College, at um, Western Michigan, they'll win that game. Um, at Clemson, Florida State, at Pitt, their toughest opponents are going to be uh, road games, and they had Syracuse going two and six in the ACC, but six and six in conference play winning all their uh, conference games to get to a bowl game. So if the uh, Rutgers game, with Syracuse automatically losing that Rutgers game, their bowl chances go down the drain, and they're 5-6. and six. If Even if they play the other games, the other non-conference games and win, they're 5-6, and six and they're outside the bowl game because of uh, the Big Ten. The Big Ten screwed Ru- Syracuse out of a bowl game. Shame on you, Big Ten. <laughs> I mean, for, Syrac- for Syracuse, it's really simple. I mean, Dino Babers is a hell of a coach. Um, I think for what he's done over there, he's, it's hard to win in upstate New York. Uh, it's hard to recruit kids up there because of course there's a lot of different mechanisms that exist with Syracuse. It's kind of a school still stuck in the past. Yeah. Andre visits the guy I'm watching cause he won, he went 17, 47 for 54 on field goals in two seasons. So that means he was 30 for, um, 34 as a freshman, and then 17 for 20 last year. So Andre Smizic could be an NFL kicker. <coughs> he could be. Powerhouse. Like, they get punters and kickers in the NFL. Whenever they're draft eligible, they always seem to have a punter or kicker that's drafted. 
But uh, side note, other than Andre Sisco, who we mentioned earlier, uh, another member of that secondary is um, Obi Melanfonwa's brother, Afetu, who's also from Grafton, uh, Massachusetts, up by the Worcester area. Shout out to Western Mass. He's um, a returning starter, as yeah. is Phil uh, Williams. So both NFL corners are back. Yeah, NFL athlete. I mean, then again, I, I like to see what happens with uh, McKinley Williams and Kingsley Johnson. Uh, Jonathan, I want to see how big of a season they could have. I want to see Tyrell Richards, who was a transfer. Uh, I want to see how that defense comes together because, I mean, for Syracuse, like, I think Babers can figure it out offensively. He's been able to kind of piece it together the last couple of years. He's going to have two quarterbacks. I mean, Tommy DeVito's listed as the starter for now. We'll see what happens um, as the season goes on. But, like, for, for Cuse, I mean, five, six wins, that's about right. Yeah. Like, I mean, this isn't a team that I don't I don't know if they're going to have chances to really elevate themselves. Like if they get if they yeah. lose that Boston College game, uh, you know, if they lose that Western Michigan game and then the ACC, you have I mean, Liberty won't cancel. You know that for a fact. So uh, Louisville, uh, that's an even matchup. Clemson, they're going to get rocked. Georgia Tech, they'll beat. Wake Forest, they'll beat. No, NC State is a toss up. Florida State, they, I think, is still better than them. So they might win. DeVito. That's true. That's why it's a toss up. Because I know at NC State, they wouldn't win that game. And then at Pitt, I mean, eh, eh. I mean Pitt's, Pitt's damn good. Yeah. So. So Syracuse, I, I think they're outside the bowl game. And that's only because the conference lost to Ru- the conference game to Rutgers being canceled. So. All right. We talked enough about the ACC. And if you want more ACC content, next uh, Saturday, the 25th on TalkShoe, I will. Joey and I will break down the entire ACC Division One show. We broke down the SEC last uh, Saturday. We broke down all twelve teams in one show. And before I get to this Arkansas team, I'm gonna I want to praise the quarterbacks in the SEC West once again because I think this SEC West team has seven good college quarterbacks, maybe only two that can play on Sundays. But I'd say this SEC West got seven good college quarterbacks: Mac Jones for Alabama. Felipe Franks for Arkansas, Bo Nix for Auburn, Miles Brenz taking over for Joe Burrow at LSU, Matt Corral, five, four, four, five-star recruit, for, came in, won the starting job at Ole Miss right away. I remember coding the 2018 high school page, and two of my interns, they basically told me, I don't know if they're interns or associates, they basically told me about Corral. We were keeping track of the 2018 recruiting class. Um, Costello transferred to Mississippi State at Texas A&M as Kellen Mond. So, really, SEC West has seven good quarterbacks this year from college quarterbacks. They're, yeah, no, that's that's true. The key word is college. Not there. I'd say only two of the guys in this uh, thing could be pros, and I'm saying that as backups. I'm trying to be as wholesome and platonic and professional about it as possible, but it's like, yeah, these college quarterbacks, they're probably backups at the NFL, but it's going to be fun to watch them compete against each other for a year because I, I look at this Arkansas team. I love their offense. I think their defense is absolutely awful, but I love <laughs> Well, Hunter Henry's brother's a tight end, so that's, yeah, that's, that's a that's good start. Hudson Henry, freshman, Rakeem Boyd, senior running back. Yeah. I mean, Myron Cunningham was a community line. who's uh, – Myron Cunningham was a senior. Dalton Wagner was the number one offensive tackle in Illinois coming out of high school. He's a returning starting yep. right tackle. But Myron Ricky Cunningham, Stromberg, who played a lot as a freshman last year. Stromberg and Clary are going to headline that interior yep. group. And Clennon didn't start, but I think Arkansas had that left guard. Arkansas had that guard. Um, he got drafted. Yeah, he got drafted. He got yeah. drafted. 
I don't remember his name, but he got drafted. He actually got picked. Yeah. And then defensively for Arkansas, I mean, do, uh, the I mean they bring Xavier Kelly. Xavier Kelly Whew. and Jonathan Marshall. I mean, that's that's a lot of meat in the middle. Uh, Dorian Gerald, and I want to see uh, Matteo Soli actually have a big season. I want to see uh, I, I want to see how this linebacking core improves. The secondary has a couple of youngsters back there that are going to alternate in, but they also brought in like a grad transfer and Jerry Jacobs. So I want to see how they integrate him into the fold as well. Yeah, and Arkansas is a team that has um, they got four seniors that have no starting experience. You've got Soli and Poole being the two main guys at edge and linebacker. You've got three corners returning as starter, Foucha. And you got good coordinators. Sam Pittman has no experience as a head coach, but he's got Kendall Bryles as his offensive coordinator and former Missouri head coach Barry Odom as his defensive coordinator. And this is an Arkansas team that was 110th in scoring offense, 124th in scoring defense 122nd in run defense they were 69th in pass defense and they've got three corners back four defensive backs on their five defensive backs back but their run defense was awful i think that's going to improve with all the uh, seniors and the stability i think they can get that in the top 100 um in the, the scoring defense i think that probably remains the same maybe it improves slightly to 120 um but yeah, I mean, looking at Arkansas, they should go from 450 to maybe 375 in terms of total yards. So they maybe bump their total defense up to 90 from 110 to 97. So they make somewhat of an improvement. I mean, they were 110th uh, in points per game last year. Yeah. So just on that regard, like, I mean, Chad Morris. But like, they didn't have Felipe Franks as their quarterback last year. He, tra- he had a redshirt year. But again, like, even at Florida, he didn't really, like, I mean, I think he's talented. But he never showed consistently that, like, he's, yeah. you know, he's all of a sudden this guy that could be, like, oh, he can be a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't shown that. Yeah, and the thing with Felipe Franks is I think he's too far behind to get a senior bowl invite. I think he could still get a Shrine game invite if he somehow miraculously gets Arkansas to a bowl game. But mm-hmm. that's his ceiling, really, realistically. And I, I don't like saying that because, I mean, I'll look at the quarterback draft. I think it's – there's four quarterbacks I can see being starters on Sunday. Lawrence Fields, Brock Purdy, and Trey Lance, and they're all the top ten of my fans before. And then I have, like, Kyle um, – I have Florida quarterback Trask and Jamie Newman out of Georgia at, like, 110 and 111 or, like, something like that. Yeah, right. and then Arkansas, they fired Chad Morris before the season ended last yeah. year, right? So now Sam Pittman's the head coach. Yep. Um, he but they have good coordinators. Yeah, I mean, he was Wilds what he was. Yeah, he was at Arkansas before though with Bielma. Yeah. So Arkansas is going to go back to like making the offensive line be the center piece. Barry was a great recruiter at Missouri, and he's just going to be a defensive coordinator. I think he's going to thrive. Wait, Barry Odom's a DC. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to have the head coaching responsibilities and recruiting responsibilities that he had at Missouri. He's just the defensive coordinator. So oh, crap. <laughs> this is going to be a fun team, then. Yeah, they're probably not going to do much, but, you know, they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Even if they lose or go winless in SEC play, like all the experts are saying, they're going to be a fun team to watch because mm. of all the uh, – what can they do? Yeah, I mean, with Kendall Bryles uh, being the offensive coordinator, it's going to be interesting to see, like, what kind of elements. They, I mean, he's, I mean, that Florida State team struggled last year. But the year before at Houston, 
what a fun little attack that was. And then the year before Florida Atlantic, he was like, he was basically drawing crap up on a chalkboard at that point. And then obviously he was at Baylor with his dad before that, before everything that bombshelled with his dad happened. So like Bryles obviously is a very creative offensive mind. I mean, as a player, he played four different positions. So that kind of gives you a perspective of why he's the way he, that he thinks the way he does. But for Arkansas to really hit the next level, like, we haven't even talked about um, really much of their schedule, really, because, I mean, it's still so – I mean, obviously Nevada to open the season, that won't happen. But, like, I don't know how they're going to win more than four SEC games, to be honest. I mean, I think they could beat Tennessee. I think they can beat Ole Miss. I don't know about Auburn. Maybe Auburn on a bad day, but it's also at Auburn. They don't lose at home. And then even though they're at home against LSU and they have history of upsetting LSU, I don't think this is going to be the year they do it. Uh, and then Mississippi State, I think that's kind of an even game depending on what Mississippi State team shows up because they're at well, home. At, our, well, the SEC chooses not to cancel their non-conference games. They go to South Bend on September 12th. Ooh. I could see them upsetting Notre Dame. Yes, that's, yes. I know it sounds crazy. That would put Franks on – you know how I'm talking about, you know, the moments to put people on the map. That would put Felipe Franks back on the NFL draft map for sure. How many people would have him as a projected first-round pick after that? Come on, we've seen this before. How much you want to bet? Ian Book's going to be this year's Joe Burrow. Right, right, right. How much you want to bet, Franks? Franks goes out and wins that game. He gets projected as a first-round pick. Calling it right now. I don't think he'll go first round. No, 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 I'm telling you. People will put him in the first round. People that you and I look at and clown all the time. They'll say, oh, Felipe Franks has first-round potential. I'm like, "Uh, where were you when he was at Florida? And he would have one good game, and then he'll throw three eggs. He'll literally tr- crack three eggs in a row after that. And then they go to Mississippi State, and they Mississippi State lost both of their corners. So then they win, They probably right. win that game. They no, in Franks, they probably beat Notre Dame and then lose to Mississippi State. Well, Mississippi State has Costello and Kylan Hill. So that's – No, that's might- true too. But, I mean, so- Mississippi State is a team they could beat based on the fact that, like, just like you're beating Notre Dame. Right, I mean, maybe that's the hangover, and then A and M uh, at A and M at College exactly. Station. Yeah, it's Arlington, Texas. Kansas yeah. scheduled for Arlington, Texas. That old Southwest Conference rivalry, right there. Yep. Honestly, I, crazy thing is, I could see them starting five and zero if they beat Notre Dame. I could see them going on. A I could see them going three and two even by beating Notre Dame because yeah, it's just that's, that's the inconsistency of yeah. Felipe Franks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even then. But the reason why I think I have faith in Franks at Arkansas is because I like the fact that you had a running back who basically got 1,200 yards rushing on a three-win team. So that tells you that this guy is used to having nine men in the box and still gets his. Yeah, and October 31st against Tennessee. Um, oh, they're beating Tennessee. They're beating they, Tennessee. Yeah. That's so, a wrap. Yeah. I, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Louisiana, Monroe, and Missouri, I'm going to give I, – I, I honestly – Missouri – I think they could beat Missouri at home only because Barry Odom's coaching Arkansas. That's the only reason I'm considering picking Arkansas over Missouri. Oh, Barry's going to have a point to prove. Yeah, he just wants to prove. Because I could see them winning those three games, and if they go three and two in those first five games against Nevada, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Charleston Southern, assuming no games in the SEC. Or I mean, even seven wins for Arkansas they could get with six this wins. team, six, seven wins with this team would be remarkable considering where they've been the last couple of years. Yeah. I honestly think they can get six wins and go to a bowl game. I know it's going to sound crazy, but if they win three of the first five, they could win out against Ole Miss. So, October 17th, do we get another Arkansas-LSU upset? Do we get another Arkansas upset? 
because they're due. They're due in Arkansas. They're due. They're due. LSU lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. So on YouTube the other day, I was watching that five overtime game between LSU and Arkansas, the Darren McFadden game. And let me tell you, I I feel like this This could be Arkansas's best team since they had Ryan Mallett and Darren McFadden. Easily, we agree on that. Easily, and and crazy that that was the third best team in the country with two SEC championship uh, with two SEC teams in the championship game. That was the third best team in the country that year. Yeah. For most of that season until they lost to Ohio State. But yeah. That was a good team. I missed those teams. That was the Greg Childs. Um, who was that kick returner? Uh, Josh Adams, mm-hmm. the, the one with that sick kick return. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to the Razorbacks. That was a fun team. They were, un- they were very good in NCAA. Very good. Yeah, I remember playing with them in NCAA 07. Mallet. Mallet, you would just like, all you have to do is just, Press circle for like a second, and you'll and get they like had a. Felix Jones on that team too with McFadden, so you could yes, they did. Backs really run the ball, and then um, they had a, a few good defensive players. Oh man, they had like, <laughs> yeah, they had a few guys, but like as, as as I said before with Arkansas, like it's just fun to see them back be relevant again because you know how it is in Arkansas, right? In state, there is the one. Now, Arkansas has got a lot of football talent. It's very disrespected nationally for the amount of football talent they have in that state, considering the amount of money that goes into those schools with football. But I will say with Arkansas, they keep their kids in state. They recruit so well in Arkansas and, and most of North Texas. They do so well. And I don't understand, really. I'm because... going to say Arkansas makes a bowl game just for the hell of it. Yeah, I'm but... rooting for them. I really am. Because I think the talent both sides of the ball, the coaching is there. And they probably lose the bowl game, but I'm going to say just for the hell of it, they go 6-6 six and six and they make a bowl game, and then they finish the year 6-7. and seven. So, I mean, if they can get from, like, 21 points a game, even if Felipe Franks can get him another touchdown a game, let's look at the results from last year. And based on that, if they averaged another touchdown a game, they would have probably beaten Colorado State. They would have probably – actually, they got pretty close to beating LSU two years ago with a team that was uh, a, a little average. So, I mean, it, it's, ob- it's obvious that if they can average 28 to 32 points a game, they could get to five, six wins. They lost 31-27 to Texas A&M at home. They could have beat them with another touchdown. So, it's just like that's the way to look at it. You know, you got to be able to – how many big plays can they, would they be able to create? And with Kendall Bryles – blown out by Mississippi State at home, 54-24. to They'll probably lose to Costello and Hill considering that blowout. So Nevada, yeah. I'm going to boldly pick them to beat Notre Dame. So they'll start 2-0. They lose to Mississippi State. I think they actually could beat a and I, I honestly do because a just lost a lot of talent on the defense mm. side. And Kalen Mond doesn't really give me any uh, belief at all. No. I'm not really buying him. I mean, Kalen, I'm not. That's another Felipe Franks. He'll have like one great game and then he'll have, he'll have three. He'll yeah. just have three stinkers. Because Kellen Vaughn, I don't know. They, they, well, they well again, another person. I, I root for him. I do. I like the way he plays. But, again, yeah. it's almost like he's running around with a chicken with his head cut off. He's going to have four returning starters in the offensive line. One's a senior center making his debut at center. So, so that means they're going to have a short leash with him. That means if he starts off streaky beginning of the season, he's getting benched by Jimbo. No doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, and Zach Cal. Dada is a freshman. I don't know if he's a freshman red shirt, but that yeah. wouldn't matter. I mean, Jimbo will throw him out there. That does not matter. I'm sure Jimbo last year, towards the end of the year, I think he was losing his marbles with the quarterbacks on that roster. I think that's why he just let Mon finish the season. 
Yeah, and Calzado is a freshman redshirt, and they also have a true freshman in Haynes King out of Longview, Texas. He was a four-star, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I, I, I actually wouldn't be shocked if Jimbo throws him out there. Yeah, because it's like they've got two freshman quarterbacks at some point. If Because uh, I see Calamond, I, th- I think I have him like, like number nine or on my top ten quarterback rankings. See, I, I, don't see, I don't see him with an NFL future right now because – I don't either. I see him as like a third string or a backup or a warm body, honestly. I don't see him as a guy with starter stealing. And when yeah, I like he's just – I only look at the guys at starter stealing. I weed everybody else out. Like if I third... look in comparison, I would rather go take a chance – you know, between him and, say, Derek King. I would rather take Derek King. Yeah. You know, that's what I, that's pretty much – like Derek King, I think, is someone that if he has a good season, he could talk himself into like a fourth, fifth-round range. He won't go to like the Kyler Murray level because Kyler Murray's got like arm talent that dudes that size don't have. Like Derek King doesn't have that kind of arm talent, yeah. but he's talented. And the point, people could make him like a very versatile tweener player. He could be a big factor on special teams. He could be a big factor. On, I mean, look at what they've doing with Tyree Kill and then Marquise Hollywood Brown with the Ravens. I mean, with all the talent, you need speed on the field, right? I mean, uh, the Patriots learned the hard way last year. You need speed on the field. And that's what's going to be the future of the NFL. And I think if guys like Derek King, even like KJ McPherson for Arkansas, right? He was a big freshman quarterback. What if like Franks has a stinker and McPherson ends up winning that job and it's his? Yeah. Now that adds another element to this because now we're talking about McPherson, who's another six foot, five eleven, maybe even five ten to three quarters ish quarterback, possibly. Get, and he was a highly rated recruit from the state of Arkansas too. So like, it's it's about putting talent in positions to succeed. And I think for Franks, like they got KJ Jefferson, a freshman, and they've got Malik Hornsby, who's a number two recruit on their twenty twenty uh recruiting. Right, right. And I'm not sure they're gonna they're not gonna want to play I mean, they tried putting Jefferson out there and he actually he's six two. So like I mean then again, he looks a little shorter than six two on T V to me. But like they had him play last year and he didn't look like he was comfortable. It didn't look like it was a situation for a young quarterback to succeed. Like if you look at, like, Trevor Lawrence, for example, right, when Dabo Sweeney finally made that decision to go to Dabo, I mean, not to, to go to Trevor, it was because, hey, Kelly Bryant took me as far as, I, as this team can go. In order to take it to another level, I need yeah, to take I, this. The only quarterback on this roster that could unseat Felipe Franks is yeah. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson, you think he's the guy that's going to do it? Possibly. He, got, he had the first series touchdown against Missouri, but he did – He's coming off soldier surgery and needs to improve his accuracy. And they mentioned Jack Lindsley and John Stephen Jones. But they also have uh, the quarterback I like is Malik Hornsby, the dual threat quarterback. He's a highly recruited quarterback. He was a freshman, right? True freshman. Yeah, right? so that might be a reason why they might keep him. They might just register him because they have a I grad transfer. Like so They got four quarterbacks. There's no reason to right. And Arkansas is just a fun team. I mean, Texas A&M, if they beat Texas A&M, they're 4-1. I, I'm going to boldly predict Arkansas to beat Notre Dame, but they'll probably either lose to Notre Dame or Texas A&M and beat the other team, and they'll be 3-2, and two, as we stated. Then they'll lose to Bama and LSU. They'll, I think they can beat Tennessee because it's not in Nayland. If it was in Nayland, I'd pick Tennessee, but it's in Arkansas, so I would probably pick Arkansas there. Then they're 4-4 four and four again. Then they lose to Auburn and drop to 4-5, and five, and then they win those next three games against Old Miss, Louisiana, Monroe, Missouri to end the year, and you're looking at a team that is um, – Seven and five, actually. So, yeah, and that's a, that's a bowl game. I mean, as I said, it can't get worse than having Nick Starkle. It really can't. So, <laughs> I mean, 
Arkansas had a they're saying it's a mess and this team's not gonna be any good, but Arkansas is gonna surprise some people. That's all I'm gonna say. They could. They could. I mean, I'm not. We're not saying they're going to go out and beat LSU. They could beat Notre Dame, but they're not going to go out and beat LSU, Alabama, or Georgia. SEC team like LSU, Alabama, or Auburn, War Eagle Nation. They're not going to do that. No, no. Probably lose to Mississippi State too, but it's like Notre Dame. I could honestly see them beating Notre Dame just because they're hyping up Ian Book to be the next Joe Burrow. Liam Eichenberg was awful against Georgia. and everyone's saying he's better than McGlinchey, and it's like, no, no, put down the crack pipe, son. He's not <laughs> like McGlinchey. You need to stop. Yeah, for real. But, like, as we said, I mean, the SEC is going to be interesting, right, because there's so much quarterback talent. So, like, and even a team like – even Mississippi State that you mentioned. Arkansas winning. Even Mississippi State that you mentioned. Like, yeah. they could go on, like, a nice little two, three-game winning streak, get some confidence, and then they could go up to Alabama and go, you know what? We're beating you. And that's it. I mean, hey, they were number two in the country a few years ago with Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott was number two in the country going into Alabama, and they gave him a game. They're going to be fun to watch. I'm going to try to get any – if there's a college football season It's a dogfight in the SEC West. Any, any SEC West games this year, I have a moral responsibility to put them on bit shoot with seven quarterbacks – that are good college quarterbacks. Never mind the talent on the rest of the field, too. Yeah, the talent, the rest of the field, too. I can, for game film purposes, I have a moral responsibility to get those games up. I just do. All right, so we pretty much covered everything. It was, it was even we broke down six teams in depth in a short time period, and for all you MLS fans, I will post my first 2021 mock. Top 10 next Friday because Charlotte's unveiling their team name and logo on Thursday. And the first round of the uh, the qualifier round for the MLS's back tournament ends next Thursday. So the, the, the players will have one day to rest. And then the round of 16, the knockout round, starts on Saturday, July 25th. So that's why next Friday is the perfect day to reveal the top 10 for my MLS mock. Don't reveal the entire first round, but... Just tease the audience with a little top 10 for fun. Oh, absolutely. That would be perfect day to do it. And MLB baseball is also going to be back on Friday, um, next Friday. Next Thursday is actually MLB opening day. So a lot of lots of Yeah, that's going to be dope. And then, um, you know, as, I, as we said, I mean, obviously – it's going to be fun to see the basketball come back, too. If the NBA comes back, that's going to be exciting, too. Uh, NHL, of course, we're getting closer to that. So, I mean, we're going to yeah, – A playoff getting... team's going to win Alexis Lafreniere, a playoff team. Oh, That's yeah. crazy thing. The Penguins could lose the Canadians and they get Alexis Lafreniere. No, I will stop watching hockey if that happens. Oh, boy. I can't put up with him and Sidney Crosby on the same team. Come on. It's bad enough that we already had we Connor Zuck, McDavid. They got Zucker and they got – It's bad enough we have Dreisaitl and, and they, McDavid. They have, Zuck, they have Zucker and um get – on the top line with Crosby, and then they'd have Hornquist, Malkin, and Lafreniere on the uh, side. Oh, my God. Malkin? No. Well, Malkin never gets his due anyway. Malkin's probably, like, the, the most slept-on NHL, like, legend of all time. But they have so many wingers with the uh, with the Jason Zucker trade, and they didn't have – they only brought him in to replace Gensel, but now they're going to have Gensel and Zucker and Crosby for the playoffs, and then you'll have Hornquist – Malkin, and then you can put Lafreniere on that. Second. That's so much creativity. 
It's not even fair. There's the line. It's going to get to the point where they're going to be shooting the puck into an empty net because they're going to deke everybody. Lafreniere is a guy that belongs on the first line, but Pittsburgh's got so many. And having a veteran like Hornquist and having a veteran like Hornquist on his side will do wonders like has done to have Pasternak have Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. That could be a very similar kind of effect. Yeah. That's another element people don't think of either. Like, if the Penguins get um, Lafreniere, they will be in the playoffs until 2050. 50? 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pittsburgh will never go broke again. Yeah. At that point, they can just start charging people for – they already charge people for tickets, but they can, like, charge people to watch the games. Well, let those cable companies do. Right, right. They can charge – Blackouts. Yeah, they could charge people for blackouts. Yeah. They could. Yeah, with that stupid MLB TV rules this year. Yeah, but, you know, MLB is going to be exciting. I'll give you uh, my six division winners. I'm not going to reveal the wild cards, but you'll have to go to talk to you for that tomorrow. But the Yankees are my East winner. The Indians are my Central winner, pitching, obviously. The Twins and Indians have the two easy strength of schedule, so one of them is going to be in the playoffs. Athletics are my team in the West. NL East, Nationals, NL West, Dodgers, NL Central. I predicted the NL Central winner four years running. Cubs the last 2016-2017, Brewers in 2018 because I love Jimmy Nelson. I thought they were, if he was healthy, they could be the NL Central team. And the Cardinals, I love Dakota Hudson coming out of Mississippi State. And they got the NLC. Yes. I'm not picking any of those teams to win the NL Central this year. I'm going with the surprise team. And no, I'm not senile enough to pick the Pirates. I'm taking the Cincinnati Reds with Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer. I thought they had the best draft in 2016 and 2017. While those prospects may not be up yet, the fact that they have a one-two punch means Hunter Green doesn't have to worry about being that number one ace. He can Mm -hmm. be number three or number four starter, and he'll probably thrive in that role like Garrett Cole did early in his career. So I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Reds. Nick Senzel's going to be up there, number two pick in the 2016 draft from Tennessee. And they've got a lot of good batters. They just couldn't get any pitching going ever since they lost Johnny Cueto. The Reds have had very consistent batters over the years. Well, they had Homer Bailey, too. I mean, when Homer Bailey and Cueto were both healthy and Votto was basically like a borderline triple crown candidate every year, the Reds were able to, like, they were putting up results. It's just, it seems to always be they get their best players on the disabled list. That's always been kind of the problem with the Reds historically. Even going back to, like, my childhood with uh, Griffey Jr., Dunn, Austin Kearns, and late career Barry Larkin. All four of those guys seem to have been hurt at one time or another. Yeah, and a funny story about my Little League days. Uh, I got drafted by the Mariners, but then one of the coaches comes up to my dad's like, the Mariners team, it's, your, your son's going to suck on this team. And he, he tries to get him to play against uh, a, a weaker team. But I ended up having a lot of fun on the team. And I ended up on the Reds. So I ended up going from the Mariners to the Reds, just like Griffey. Oh, nice. That's that's awesome. Same career, same way Griffey went from Seattle to Cincinnati and then retired. That's pretty much my little career in a nutshell. There but, you go. Yeah. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually kind of a really cool backstory. But, yeah, the Reds are my dark horse in the NL Central this year. With Gray being the number one starter, Bauer being the number two guy, I think the Reds, honestly, with Votto, with batters, I honestly think they can do it. I mean. Plus, there'll be absolutely no pressure on anybody this year. So They won't because everyone's expecting the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs to win that division. There's no pressure on the Reds, and I think that makes them a covert, dangerous sleeper team in this NL Central. 
But I don't think – I don't know if there's a team in the NL Central that's good enough to beat the Dodgers or the Nationals in the playoffs. I think there's a – I think the NL Central is probably the hardest division to pick because you've got so many good teams. And I gave every NL Central team in the MLB draft an A-plus grade, even the Pirates. The Pirates actually got the first three rounds of the draft right this year. And, but they're still going to suck because the Reds, NL Central division, drafted well in the first round. And the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals – our veteran teams and the Reds even have some upcoming talent. So that makes the pirates, the bottom feeder, unfortunately. Well, on that note, Chris, uh, it's been a wonderful show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I got to get going at 1230. You got to get ready for work. I'll promote this. um, We'll we'll end the show. So long folks.